couple of months ago, I was meeting with uh, John Phelan, who's the pastor of West Salem Foursquare Church, and he was sharing a series that they did recently that just I, I just loved it. He said he, he, he took John 3.16, he took it a couple of words at a time. And I just thought, that that would be great. So that's what we're starting today. And um, this verse, you know, most likely, well, a lot of people have heard this verse. Some who are here today may have not heard this verse before. So um, it's, it's almost become, I don't know, cliche. Um, but cliches often become cliches because they're so relevant and accessible. And so let's stand and read this. This is our habit to read the scriptures together out loud each week. And then I'll say gospel of the Lord, and you guys say praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Ready? Go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. This is the gospel of the Lord. You can sit down. Today, we take that phrase, for God. Um, so I've wrestled and toiled with this. Have you ever, you ever tried to define God? <laughs> That's a question I have for you to think about. Who is God? Most of us, we have some definition in our mind um, that we... Some have studied long and hard. They have a sense of that. Others, maybe this is the first time we've thought about that. How is it you define God? In worship, I, I gave some definitions to you that some of us come to this idea that God is against you, um, checked out, uncaring. And that is accompanied by all sorts of understandable questions. Why would God allow this if God was good, as people say, if God is indeed love? Why have I experienced so much of the opposite? Why doesn't God just put an end to that? Those are great questions. Who is God? <clears throat> I hope that this teaching series helps to clarify some of that. I hope that today, whatever it is that we get to in this message, that we would we would have our minds clarified, but I felt like the Lord just really spoke to me this morning, even before I knew I'd be leading worship, that the Lord wanted to do something with our hearts today. Um, may it be so. Maybe so that the word would penetrate and um, open blind eyes this morning. We don't know how blind we are. We don't know how much we're stumbling around in the dark. And um, God might flip the light on for somebody today. Praise God. Praise God. So even you right now, you might, that question of who is God, you might have like this almost pulsating, difficult answer and you're like, okay, we're going to talk about who God is. What about this? I think maybe God might heal, open 
your eyes to his goodness through his word. As I get older, I, start, I see the world more clearly. Um, thank God for that. Experience and curiosity are two great teachers. <laughs> and my experiences, good, bad, and ugly, illuminate my expectations, most of which I didn't know I had. My curiosity causes me to ask questions about what I've, what I've experienced. For example, when I was a seventh grader, I was on a traveling uh, baseball team with four other friends, and nearly every day we would drive to a nearby town for practice. We were together a lot, these five um, baseball players. One weekend they were all gone. I didn't know where they were. I was the only one that was around. The next week I learned that they had all traveled to San Francisco together to go to two San Francisco Giants games. The feeling that I had when I learned that, I guess I would describe it as almost felt embarrassment. I immediately felt shame. I felt unwanted. I assumed I was the problem. And I still don't know why I was excluded from that trip, but I was. <clears throat> and I've reflected on that experience many times since then. Why is it that I felt hurt and pain? Have you ever stopped to ask these questions? Why does this evoke pain? Why did I feel that I should be included? What expectation did I have, and where in the world did that expectation come from? Could it be that I was made for love, and love does not reject others? In other words, could it be that my very being, and you're being invited into the story here too, your very person, is created for perfect unity and harmony and togetherness. And the exclusion that I face, that we face, is indeed an offense against how life is supposed to function. I think that's true. But why is it that way? That's the deeper question. The curiosity continues to take us. It's because of God. Not just because of a world he created for love, but because God's essence, the very core of his being is love. Out of who God is, exists a world that is created for love. Exists you who are created for love. I think the pains that, and the hurts that we face are because although we are created for love, each of us are let down by the world as it is, by life as it is. And it could be easy for some to blame God for creating us for love, but then allowing a world of pain and hurt to exist. Okay, why? God created us for love, and why doesn't he just, <laughs> just keep doing that? <laughs> why does he allow pain and hurt? Your big disappointments, your big frustrations, the subsequent big question marks, Why? I think, I hope that what we find today, this is my goal, is that God's very nature of being love gives space for some of this confusion, in a sense. So stick with me. We want love because of God, because of God's loving nature. Because of his loving nature, he gave us the ability to choose. 
And we can choose the perfect way of love or reject it. Because here's a phrase, here's a takeaway. If you take notes, this is a takeaway maybe. Love is not love without choice. Because humans have chosen to reject God throughout history, we live in chronic disappointment. So God in his essence is love and love gives the ability to choose. And so God, anything that he creates, he creates with this ability to love, which is to be able to choose him or not to choose him. And so throughout history, as we've rejected him, um, we live in this disappointment. However, however, this is the verse we just read. God's love cannot be stopped by the choices of humans. So he sent his son out of his love to draw us back into the divine dance of love. To draw us back to the divine dance of love. So today, a brief overview of the God of love. The God who is love. The God who is. It's his very nature. Okay, God is love. First John 4.16, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Dr. Seuss wrote First John 4.16. <laughs> I won't explain it all, but let's just focus on that phrase. God is love. Love, in this case, in the original Greek, is the Greek word agape. Everybody say Agape. Agape is a Greek word that we translate love. But Greek is a superior language to ours in this sense. It has other words for love that we just translate love. So it has philo and storgi and eros. Those are Greek words. English simply has love. And so we always have to qualify. Because obviously, I who love jiff creamy or country peanut butter, skippy, creamy or country peanut butter, any brand name peanut butter is <laughs> very different than my love of my son, right? And so context, if I were to say I love peanut butter and then also Owen, I love Owen, you would know I meant two different things. Greek had words for that. Um, yeah, is that, I, if I, a friendship kind of love would be phileo love, philo love. Erotic love, romantic love would be eros love, but we just have the word love. So what is agape love? What does it mean? God is described as agape love. God is agape. Everybody say agape. There you go. Good job. It is self-giving love. That's what it is. It is the kind of love that is done by choice. It is others-based. It is the highest value of love. It forms the foundation for all the other kinds of love. It seeks the highest good of the other. God, in his very nature, is agape love, others-oriented. You, he's, he's at all times giving of himself. This kind of love exists in the nature of God. It exists in what we have come to call throughout history, uh, through church history, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So 
Christians, this is a core idea for Christians, is believing that God is a triune God. He is not three gods. He is one God in three persons. And that might blow your mind and make it hard to understand. And I would just ask this question if you're, if you're the intellectual type and you want everything to be reconciled. If you could reconcile all of who God was and define him, wouldn't that mean that God lived inside your head? So there are concepts that are bigger than our ability to grasp. And that actually suggests that there is something bigger to grasp. And that is God. So I hope if you have doubt, I'm not putting you down. I hope you just feel maybe a little clue of how to proceed. Because God is certainly bigger than your thoughts, your mind. So the Trinity is God existing in love. Theologian Jürgen Moltmann Jürgen. <laughs> Any Jürgens in here? Maybe there's an idea for a parent who's pregnant. <laughs> Jürgen. <laughs> he says, according to the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, the three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, exist with one another, for one another, and in one another. Three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus references the Godhead in Matthew 28, 19. He says, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Let's read it together. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> they are at once one and also at once distinct. God is one, three in one. So, so this diagram might help. Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father and vice versa all the way the reverse way. But the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. This is a <clears throat> diagram that's called the Trinity Shield. It helps us to understand the tensions. So God is love, which is self-giving. The Father, now listen, the Father gives the Son. The Son gives the Spirit. The Spirit gives us Jesus who reveals the Father. So within the Trinity, there's this self-giving. Um, Jesus says this in John 10.30, the Father and I are what? One. one. Good job. The Father and I are one. A little later in the book of John, Philip um, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. We will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus is like, I am of the Father. The Father is of me. I am in the Father. The Father God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave his son. He is self-giving to us. Jesus, at the end of this ministry, gave us the Holy Spirit. He gifts us the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would lead us to all truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. So the Holy Spirit gives us, points us back to Jesus. And then Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see how he's always self-giving to the other, taking us into this divine community. Love requires community. In God, there is community among the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternal community. God exists in this community. The, the Trinity has been called by some the divine dance 
of love, of self-giving love. Each leading, each following in simultaneous submission and authority. It blows our mind. But this is what love is. Now, the scriptures say that we are reconciled to God so that we can come back into this community. Who is God? God is love. And he's welcoming us back into that holy community of his. Second Corinthians says this. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So one way to understand that ministry of reconciliation, God reconciling the world to us, was that Christ was sent to create space for us to be invited back into the divine dance of love. We're invited back into that. We're invited into this self-giving, others-oriented way. We're, We're invited back into it because it's our very nature. This is why John says, in 1 John, that we cannot claim to love God and hate our brother because The love of God is all about reconciliation and is about serving the other. He writes, we love because he, God, first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. (laughs) For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. God's very essence is not hatred, but is love as he is we are to be. The illustration done by, what's her name again? Professor Katarina? Yeah, okay. Yeah, welcome to the church, Katarina. Yeah. (laughs) If you're new with us, that's my wife, Danya. Okay. Yeah. I know. Don't tell the kids. Don't tell the kids. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, how are we doing? Are we sticking in there? Are we hanging in there? This is a bit heady, but I hope it moves into our hearts. Um, so we, back to God creating us um, and then giving us choice out of his love because that's what love is. Love is not love without choice. So We are created in God's image, and we'll go back to Genesis 1. We are created to be in community, to be in fellowship and unity with God and with each other. God God is, uh, he's constrained by his nature of love. I don't know if that's even fair to say. I don't know if God can be constrained at all. But from our understanding, as we can understand it, my dad's a pastor, and he can take me out to the woodshed after the, after the service and <laughs> beat the heresy right out of me if that's what's coming out. As we understand it, God is showing us that he is love. And notice the plural and communal language in Genesis here. This is our beginnings. It's before sin came into the world. Then God said, let us. Notice how it says in the Hebrew there, it's us. It's plural. Let us. This is the trinity Early on in the scriptures, 
the divine community of love. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. What is God like? God is love. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth. God is giving authority here. Each member of the Trinity has both, they, both in submission and equal authority. So God created us to be in submission and gave us authority. That's how God created the world. And the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. We are created in community. We are created in the Trinity for community. But this community and this communion with God is not forced. It must be freely chosen. Like God, who is love, freely chooses. Freely chooses. God makes choices. And God, who is the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, existing in perfect love, and in that perfect love, in him, there's freedom and autonomy, but also in the collective will of the Trinity, there's perfect submission to God's will to love. So Jesus had to choose. You might recall this. Each member of the Trinity chooses love. You might remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's about ready to die. He knows he's about ready to die. And he's praying fervently. And there's great stress upon him. And he says, if there's another way for this cup to be removed from me. In other words, I don't want to drink this cup. May it be so. But not my will, Jesus says, your will be done. He's submitting. And he has the choice to submit. And in that moment, he chose to die for our sins, to endure that shame, to endure that disfigurement and the physical and the soul pain. He says, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours. In other words, Jesus himself is in submission to the Father. Jesus had the ability to choose, and he chose, again, the perfect will of the Trinity. He chose to, again, give of himself just as the Father gave of himself sending his Son, just as the Holy Spirit gives us and illuminates truth that takes us back to the Son who gave himself so that we might know the Father. It's a divine dance of love. Who is God? God is love. God is in community among himself and is inviting us into that. So back to you and I. We have the ability to choose God or to reject. That's part of God's love for you. And as you experience the world where others and you have made choices that create pain and disruption, that's actually an expression of God's love. That he's not just controlling the world into submission, but he's actually loving the world to submission. He's loving the world. And he comes to you with that love. And love is not love without choice. And as such, there is pain in the world because we often haven't chosen God, but God still chooses us. God still chooses us. We are the beloved of God. 
We are children of God. We are deeply held and treasured. The final scripture. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Long ago. God saw down the corridors of time and chose for you to come in when you have. For some of you, that was the 30s, the 40s, 50s, 1960s, the 1970s, 1980s. What do we call the next one? The aughts. Saw for you. And has given you Christ Jesus, gave his son, so that you will not, don't perish in this life, but can live in the ongoing life of God, in the ongoing love of God, freely chosen by God, freely given choice for you to receive God and his love for you. So you can complete the good works, which are all about love in the world. It's a bit heady, a bit beyond our ability to reconcile all things, but I hope maybe some of that moved into your heart. And if it hasn't yet, um, I pray that it will. Mm-hmm.